And so if you, if you can do this, just turn off all of your filters about, is he going to say recalcitrant or is he, is he going to do something else weird? Just turn all those filters off and let me give you the message for this church, for this moment, and ask the Holy Spirit to make it alive. We are talking about because Jesus lives. We are talking about in that he lives, all of the promises that he made can come true if you didn't believe them before. If you come to believe that he actually rose from the dead, it seems pretty simple that he probably could do any of the rest of this stuff because that's kind of the largest chore that we have as humans. You can't just die and rise at will. But Jesus said, I will to lay down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I lay it down. And because he had no sin, when he had paid for our sin in the grave, the Holy Spirit raised him. And he's still human, but it is a humanity that is glorified, that is more than, greater than, better than what we have today. In the first place, it'll never die. And that's so very important. So because he lives, the things that he calls for in our lives are quite possible. So I want to take a look, first of all, at the greatest commandment, Mark 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard, him, heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the first commandment is love God. That may sound familiar to those of you that are here a lot. The second one is love others. That may sound familiar. And when we love God with all of our being, we find ourselves in wonderful circumstances. One of them is described in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. This is a, this is a fascinating passage. It, it references a practice of the conquering uh, Roman generals, and they, up to that point, were all conquerors, and for um, generations more, they were never defeated in battle. And uh, when they would when they would come back in with their army and with all of the spoils of war, there would be all kinds of sacrifices, which included this uh, 
aroma business, all of this uh, incense that was burned at the end of the parade. And many times along the parade route, uh, there were these offerings to foreign gods. When Jesus was talking back, back in Mark, our God is one, he, he, that meant uh, we're not going to be dealing with the pantheon of the Romans or of the Greeks or of the Persians. They, they, it, was, it was one God, and we know him in three persons, and that's what Jesus was talking about. We don't have to have the God of war and the God of love and the God of the crops and the God of rain and so forth. And back to this procession now, there's two ways to interpret this, and it's really not clear in the original language what Paul meant, whether he's talking about this triumphal procession, and uh, uh, he, he's, there is reference to himself here, so he, it could be the general Paul and the conquering army, all of, all of the readers of this letter. And that would be perfectly fitting. Uh, they're doing no damage to the historical context at all. The other application could be that when this uh, general came in at the very end of the procession, there would be the, uh, the conquered kings, generals, all of the bigwigs, and then anyone else that survived the trek to Rome that followed along, and uh, uh, people, of course, would jeer at them, and uh, it was not a happy day for those guys. And we have been willingly, we have willingly allowed ourselves to be conquered by the general Jesus at the front of the line. So it, it could mean that. We don't know which it is. Uh, we do know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is in the nostrils of God and the lives of those who believe the gospel is a fragrance. It's kind of like your prayers in heaven. You know, they have no shelf life and they are kept in gold bowls and they are called incense. God thinks they smell good. Read, read Revelation. That's what it says. It's incense, gold bowls, which are the prayers of the saints. Wonderful. So don't stop praying. Don't stop. Keep praying. And back to 2 Corinthians here. Thanks be to God, he always leads us in triumphal procession. I want to say this before I go to my next uh, scripture, is that in this battle setting of, of this triumphal procession, Christ undertook a battle, not rightly his. We share in a triumph, not rightly ours. That's who Christ is, and that's who we are. Romans, the eighth chapter. Where do you start in Romans 8? Where do you stop in Romans 8? But I, I, I have a starting place, and I won't talk all morning. Verse 17, now if we are children, the children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God. Okay, so God 
is passing down the legacy, and we are co-heirs with Christ. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible in talking about our position in Christ Jesus. Co-heirs means equal heir. Now, you heard of uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau was what we would call a loser. And um, Jacob helped him with that. Esau was the firstborn, and in that culture, the firstborn, when, when, when daddy would die, they would divide all of the property into however many children there were plus one. And the firstborn got two portions, and the rest of them got one. So when they talk about the birthright, that's what that's talking about. And the Scripture just simply says, uh, King James says he despised his birthright, which means he did not value it, he did not, he did not cherish it, he did not uh, take care of it, sold it for a bowl of soup. Help me. You talk about the, your belly is your God. But this is, this is the picture of the birthright. Now, in Christ, we are co-heirs of God with him, with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? No. But that's what God has done. That's what God has done. So when we talk about love God, there are some reasons why we ought to love God. John, in his uh, three, three letters uh, late, that appear late in, the, in your Bible, uh, says, God is love. Just God is love. Now, we know God is many things, but the big deal is God is love. And then in those same messages to us, John says, we love him because he loved us first. I love that. We who, were, who did not know how to love, we were nothing. There was nothing about us that would, as far as holiness is concerned, that would draw a holy God to us. Nothing attractive. He loved us then. And it's already been stated from here this morning that before he made the world, before he made us, he planned for us to do his will and he planned the works that we were going to be doing. That is so great. That is so great. Now, some of you share the neurotic weakness that's been uh, something that I've dealt with, and that's, that's just guilt, uh, unreasonable neurotic guilt, uh, guilty of stuff I didn't do, probably didn't feel guilty when I should have and felt guilty when I shouldn't have. I'm sharp like that. And when, when the Lord says, I forgive you, we who have a neurotic guilt say, great, and don't believe it. 
I mean, you have to say great if God's speaking, right? You can't say, I don't believe that. But we didn't believe it. And that's the reason I hammer you. It is for you poor, pitiful, neurotic people that are almost as bad as I am who hang on to the wrong stuff you've done and, and know that God needs to punish you. So when I hassle you about what is it about all that you don't understand, understand that I'm hassling you because we need it. Now, the rest of you who have not, you have other neuroses, we hope they're not psychoses. Um, you may not hope, but some of us hope you're not psychotic. Anyway, you have, you have other needs, and sometimes it's, um, it's, a, it's a sense of just inferiority that comes across as pride. You know, when you, uh, I, I felt inferior academically, I was afraid I wasn't as smart as I needed to be or wanted to be, so I had to take advanced math, and I had to take Latin, and I had to take an extra solid so that I didn't have a study hall ever in my life. It's like, if you could be a little more secure that it's okay to be however smart you are, you know, if you're dumb, it's okay to be like that. I didn't get that. I'm still working on that, by the way. Um, but if you have that, then, then you may come across as you're better than the rest of us. And you're trying to convince yourself. Now, that's fine. Go ahead and try as best you can to convince yourself. We know better. But it's okay. Do, do what you have to do. Uh, if it gets too bad, we'll probably challenge you. And if we're really good in the spirit we will love you in a, in a prayer setting and let God get some healing spirit into you called the Holy Spirit and change that. But when, when God says he is love, then here is our chance to take him on and become love because when we are born again, the presence and the Spirit of God comes within us. The picture is, um, in Jesus' words, there are two different pictures of water. There's living water. You drink this water, he told the gal at the well, never be thirsty again. You have that. You have that for yourself. Then on the feast day, he says, if you will come to me, I will do a work that will cause rivers to flow out of you. So on the one hand, we have this that satisfies our thirst, which is to say, you don't have to worry about going to hell. Just get over that because you're going to heaven unless you, I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you can get out of it. Uh, don't try, okay? And then there is that river business that, corresponds beautifully with the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that there is an outflowing river to love others. And that brings us to point number two. If God is in us, then we can love others. And Jesus said it like this, Acts 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for 
John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, no, no, we're not going to tell you that. The Father sets that time at his own apartment. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, here is what I, here is what I want to say about this. Love God and love others. If we are going to love like God loves, and everywhere we go, we, we are the fragrance, the essence of the presence of God. And I know we sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Well, actually, that's true. He is welcome in this place. And when we gather together, there is an additional presence of God that you have together that you don't have separately, but God lives in you if you're a Christian. And I know we, we haven't learned to talk that language. We, I'm still working on it. Uh, I probably will the rest of my life. But remember this, where you are, God is. And what he wants from you is just the willingness to pour out your life, which is himself, the river, and just let it water whatever he wants watered. It can be thirsty souls. It can be great needs. It, it, any number of forms, and it's the river of God. So if we are going to love God, and it's, it, it moves in a little bit, Actually, it's something miserable in the direction of how he is and who he is and what he is. If we're, not, if we're going to do that, then we're going to find ourselves willing to give that which is precious to us. Of course, you know where we're going now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. One of my colleagues by the name of Chris Jordan told a story when he was very, very early in his uh, adult life. He was working in a hospital, and there was a little girl named Liza that had a very rare and a very serious disease, and her only chance of recovery seemed to be a transfusion from her five-year-old brother, who was younger than she, he had miraculously recovered from the same disease, had developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. And so the doctor sat down, this little five-year-old, and uh, asked him if he'd be willing to give his blood to his sister. And Chris said, I saw him hesitate for only a moment before taking a deep breath and saying, yes. I'll do it if it will save Lisa. As the transfusion progressed, he lay in a bed next to his sister and smiled, as we all did, because we began to see the color returning to her cheeks. Then his face grew pale and his smile faded, and he looked up at the doctor and asked with a trembling voice, 
Will I start to die right away? Being young, the boy had misunderstood the doctor. He thought he was going to have to give her all his blood. Now, dear one, that's what we're talking about, love. And that's just a picture. And when it came to Jesus, he had to give it all. So that the Lord is calling us when he calls, are you willing to take up your cross and follow me? He has a model (laughs) that can cost you all your blood. And I know this is not the way to get a big line saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Where do I sign up? I'm ready to die. That, that, that's not who we are. And you won't be able to die gracefully until it comes time. And gracefully is a good word there because it is the grace of God that makes every circumstance tolerable. Now, some of you through your life have, have encountered circumstances that were painful, whatever. And I don't want to name off your stuff. First of all, I don't know it all. I've been around long enough that I know a bunch of it, which means nothing. Because it's not what we've been through, it's who has, is flowing through us. So that if we look at the stuff that hammers us, and we say, no, then a, a root of bitterness will begin to take over and, and that, that weed will take over our entire being. But if we look at everything that comes, everything that comes, and say, if God is walking with me, I'm cool, let's go. Now, if he lives in us, it might be projected that God is walking with us. Does that make sense? If he lives in you, then that's all one might need. And if you're into this river of living water flowing out that we mentioned, then we are in the position to represent the love that God is. And Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, hallow your name. Bring your kingdom. Do your will. Now that doesn't say, uh, watch out for me. You know, protect me. I don't want any pain. Pardon me, but it's just we, we get these self-protective things because that's, that's a reflex from our flesh. God made us to protect ourselves, and we project that out into our spiritual life. Dear one, God is the answer to every problem that, in, that you encounter. 
Now, if something bad happens to someone you love, that's a whole different thing. Don't take up their offense. Pray for them. But don't get all mad because um, God's letting that happen or somebody's doing something to them, whatever, whatever. Because the grace of God will come upon them if they are in the problem and they're asking for help. But that same grace won't come on you if you take up their problem. It's called taking up an offense. Don't do it. Just don't do it. You say, well, I'm mad because I love so-and-so and they got persecuted. Well, get over it. Jesus is a part of the, of the God who says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Now, we don't believe him. So we have to beat each other up. Now, this, I could dig this hole pretty deeply. And I'm not going to do it. You're glad to hear that. But the fact is, the glory of God is manifest when we are loving in circumstances that would absolutely say, no, 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 you can't love that person. Look what they did to your friend or look whatever, whatever, whatever. And I, I am calling this church to reaffirm that God is love, God lives in us, and we are going to love or we will not do the will of God and we will not glorify his name and we will not get the works done that he saved us to do and that he put us out here on this hill to do. Now, that was good preaching. And if you were sharp as you ought to be, you might be up doing a little jig or something. But I've, we've never gotten that going in 40 years, so I don't expect it today. <laughs> but what I said is true. And I ask you to just take it. Take it into your heart and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because God is love. And he will flow out of us if we have him in us. He will flow out of us in love to everyone else. You say they don't deserve it. That's what forgiveness is about. Don't say that again to me. Of course, they don't deserve it. That's why you have to forgive. I laugh at myself. I'll be bopping along and I'll be playing with this thought, you know, about maybe some revenge. Somebody that did something to me. And the Lord will just, I think he just says like, say what? Or whatever the divine equivalent of that is. Okay? Now, if you're not walking with Jesus, I want you to know that God is love and he loves you. And every sin that you have ever, ever, ever committed was in Christ Jesus. And the Lord God Almighty put Jesus to death. For your sin so you don't have to die for them they can be forgiven completely how many of them all of them hallelujah so in a moment i'm going to invite people to come for prayer who need prayer if if you need to have prayer about i need more love of god in me and i need to be able to give it away better come for that but there are those among us who really need a physical touch, a healing touch for their body. There are people who are, who are brokenhearted because someone that they love, a, 
kid or a grandkid or a spouse or a parent is not walking with God and they're just, their heart is hurting and, and so forth. All kinds of needs. And I want, I want this opportunity to pray for you if you want prayer. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if I could get our team here to uh, help us with uh, something that just helps us worship. Now, if you don't go, if you're just dying of starvation, go to the gym, make out a generous check to the booth, and eat. But if you can hold on a few minutes, but you don't particularly need to come for prayer, stay. And when they all get down here that need prayer, sit back down and just enjoy the Lord. Pray for the people that are down here and worship. May we stand. Those of you that need prayer, want prayer for something, would, would you just... Come down here. These people are getting lunch ready. So it's not ready, so don't don't leave yet. <laughs> and stay out of their way because we need them to get that lunch ready. But if you'd like prayer, just come on. And our prayer team, board members, staff, will gather around and, and pray with us. And, and we're just going to expect God to do some stuff today. When they all get down here, don't don't forget to sit back down if you'd, if you'd like to. You don't have to. But uh, we're going to we're going to see God do some stuff. Did you ever see God do stuff? <laughs> I've had some stuff done in my life.